we have um, Sophie here. As a guest speaker, and Lotus is... And Lotus, too. So Sophie's sleeping in the background, and Lotus is sleeping right next to us. Yeah. <laughs> Lotus is keeping in the foreground. And she's being bounced. So we'll see how this goes. Namaste, beautiful yogis. Today, we have a talk on a really um, interesting subject. It is, uh, we decided to call it, Why Do We Resist Change? And there is such resistance to change and time passing generally amongst us and we want to contemplate and talk about it. Why do we resist change? Yes, why do we resist change, Johnny? Why do we resist change? Well, I mean, we've spoken about it so many times, you and I. I think, you know, it always comes down to um, attachment. Attachment to the old because we all find comfort in the old, we all find comfort in the known. And there is something in our nature that fears the future, fears moving forward. I don't know why do we, why do we fear moving forward? I think it's because like the the way the universe seems to be which is in constant flux. So there's fear in that. I think it was Shojam Trungpa uh, that said something like the bad news is you're falling through the air, nothing to hang on to, no parachute. The good news is there's no ground. Mhm. So it's like we're almost like falling, flailing our hands, but there's no, there's, we're not, we're never, we're never going to hit the bottom. Um, I guess maybe a more positive way to look at that is we're rockets, you know, shooting up into the sky, and there's, you know, there's no end to what we're going to discover. But you know, the whole thing with change, uh, change, is scary. Yeah. Change is really scary, actually. Transitions are scary. Transitions. Uh, as far as the way I, I, I reflect back on them in my life, the transitions, they're kind of sad, I think. But then, you know, they open new doors. But then when you look back on, on past memories, it's hard to let things go, I guess. That's what it is, is we want to hold on it's to things. It's attachment, you yeah. know, letting go. And I also think that we are here essentially to grow. And growth sometimes happens gradually and sometimes happens in big spurt. And... We, during those transitions is when we grow the most, so they're usually challenging and we kind of, it's our nature to avoid challenges or pain or suffering, let's call it pain, because suffering sometimes can be in vain. And when we grow, we're going through pain, but it's for a reason, because we're, we're transcending the old. So I think it's just our human nature to resist pain. <laughs> With change comes a transition? I think, yeah, with change. I, I think with, um, usually when things move forward, those are the transitions in life. Those are the transitions in life, and they are, generally they're intense. They're intense. We can only take so much of them at, uh, at a certain amount of time. Those are the times when we grow the most. So that, that, could, be, that could be one of the reasons that we fear change is... The, the pain that we're going to go through when things change. Yeah, the pain. Yeah. So then we feel um, we can control things a little better if we hold on to things. Like you, we hold things in a fearful way. Exactly. And so when we learn to release things, uh, we learn to be freer. Yeah, it's a process of learning to trust your path and learning to let go. And it's a never-ending process, really, because growth is never-ending. And it's just levels and levels of 
growth and levels. When when we think we've learned to let go of one thing, we're gonna be faced with another, with another bigger challenge or another bigger attachment that we're supposed to let go of. So there is no end to it, really. It's a continuous growth. So maybe that's where part of the fear comes from, because it's like, are we gonna are we gonna always go through this painful growth, you know, eternally? So sometimes in your life, when thing something becomes comfortable, like if you you're living in a house that's comfortable and things have been good, but you feel something inside, uh, and then the circumstances in your life that kind of coincide with what you're feeling inside, and you have to move, you know, and you know inside you have to move, but then it's painful because you have to leave that house. I guess because when you're in that house, you feel like you're in control of your universe. Yeah. In general, people would would hold on to um, a painful situation rather than move forward with a new unknown situation that is not painful anymore. That's why people that have been abused in their childhood would find abusive spouses because it's the known. They, it's moving forward is scary. It's kind of a jump in the unknown and the unknown scares us because there's learning in the unknown and intensity in the unknown. Well, and there's also the the fear of your situation might get worse. It will generally. I, <laughs> I think that generally when we go through big growth, it feels like, it feels like pain. It feels like the situation is getting worse. Yeah. Um, because we are faced generally with the challenge to let go again and letting go. Even now, because I became a mother, I am realizing that one of the first things we learn in order to uh, be well-conditioned in the world is attachment. Uh, attaching to the mother properly means that you're going to be well-conditioned in society. And that's why it's it's part of normal child development to be attached to your mom exactly. the first two years. So it's <laughs> it's a, it's um, ironic that we come on Earth, we... Uh, we take a human uh, body, a physical body, and one of our first lessons is attachment so yeah. that we can survive. But then our whole spiritual lesson after that is to let go of attachment. So we have to attach and then we have to learn to n- not be attached. It's uh, it's kind of ironic and that's why it's so challenging. Yeah. So the human path is so challenging. Here's the balance is when you start to meditate, you start to realize that if you use aesthetic techniques to lessen your inner dialogue Mm -hmm. you can completely wipe out your inner dialogue and then what what happens is you can actually become completely detached from the earth in a lot of ways so the the trick is to have attachment stay attached yeah and exactly and then harmonize with that attachment i I know like in, in buddhism they say desire is the root of of suffering yeah. And then, and then you have someone like Abraham Hicks. She, she says, you know, launch your rockets of desire. And they're both it, right. They're both right because it's a balancing act between um, attachment and desire, and even passion, anger. You know, we're we're here to 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 experience all that intensity. Yeah, I, I think it would be a shame if we came here and had zero attachments and we were so perfect and just that's not the the human lesson and we never grieved and we never experienced sorrow the whole the whole experience is to go through those things and yeah the experience is to learn to let go because you can't put yourself in a perpetual suffering but also we are supposed to attach we're supposed to 
you fall in love with attachment to a degree and exactly. you are supposed to learn to let go it's all of those things and yeah. they, they even though they seem mutually exclusive that we are all we're supposed to go through all of it otherwise the experience is not rich if we only had one one balance mood and we were just sitting kind of uninvolved in the in the dealings of the earth we wouldn't experience uh, you know all the the sweetness of life yeah we may experience content and joy, and that's good, contentment. But uh, I think there is something to be said about, you know, the deep love we develop or the deep connections we develop in life to people. And, and the lesson is not to be tragic, not to have a tragic feel about things, just to believe that things are not lost, but to fully engage yourself in your connections and to fully embrace them. So touching, yeah, then it will hurt. So it's a bit, it's, it's, it's no answer to this question, really. No. <laughs> I mean, it basically boils down to um, there ain't no easy way out and no, no one gets out of here alive. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's the, that's the part that has always been, uh, it may sound odd, but it, it has always calmed me down and it's always given me hope is we're all going to die. We're all gonna die, and that kind of like brings a calm sensation to me because, in me, because understanding that we're here briefly, and that's the truth of the matter, we're here very briefly, and um, that just kind of feels good because it liberates you from some expectations you may be putting on yourself, and or liberates you from the feeling that, oh, oh my god, this is here so final, everything you do is of such. It matters so much when, in fact, what matters is to be joyous, to be authentic, to love. And those are the main things. Uh, the rest, you know. I, I think it's to evolve yeah. because through lives, you take certain things with you, I think. So if someone's really hell-bent on learning the piano, they should probably learn the piano because there's something in that piano maybe for that lifetime that that uh, soul will take with them into the next life. We, we, need to, we need to expand and evolve. And you do take some, some element of you with you through this eternal consciousness. And I think that element that you take through, you take through lives with you comes in the package of, of realizing what love is, realizing what truth is, and also um, probably the arts. You know, you take yeah. certain things you learn in dance Creation, creating, yeah, being creative, creating, yeah. exactly, and also, also uh, um, giving uh, relief to other living beings, serving, yeah. serving and guiding, so. and expression, self-expression, because uh, the way a lot of you hear it a lot when you leave this world, you want to leave it a little different, a little better. Um, that's part of it. It's uh, although uh, being present and joyous and uh, fully loving uh, might seem simple. Yeah, that would ultimately mean that you're growing because you're going through those experiences uh, centered. If you, within yourself, expand your consciousness and grow, you're going to raise the vibrations of the collective conscious. And uh, that will change the world directly or indirectly. But mm -hmm. you're going to change the world just by changing yourself. Yeah. And some people are lucky enough to change the world directly where it's very obvious. 
there is probably some yogis in the Himalaya or some or hidden someone that has never been in the public eye that has expanded their consciousness so much that they have raised the vibration Absolutely. of everybody's mind. Yeah, it's a it's a little eighty five year old Asian woman in Alhambra that's that's gardening. <laughs> Probably yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and uh, you uh, didn't you tell me a, a quote on time changing earlier that was pretty cool. Uh, it's from it's from the Bhagavad Gita and it was Krishna. I think it's Krishna. I, I read it one time and it's basically the quote is I am time the destroyer. Uh, I think Krishna is quoted as saying I am time the destroyer. And then um, there's a quote by Stephen Hawking, which also, which is a scientific point of view, uh, saying the same thing, which is, uh, I think entropy is the main signifier of time passing. So in order, in order for us to understand time passing, the best is 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 we we see around us entropy, which is uh, things degrade. So if you if you look at a house and you leave it alone, you know the shingles on the roof will get blown off people might throw rocks at the windows and break the windows and inside the house will become dusty. Uh, it'll get infested with rats and within a hundred years, it'll f probably fall over and disappear. So that's time passing. So Interesting. That reminds me of, uh, do you remember many years ago when we first met in our first day and we were talking about um, the one of the first things we talked about is chaos and harmony mm -hmm. and we we're saying that it's the same then we come to the conclusion that it's the same there is harmony and chaos they're, they're basically like they're the same yin, thing yeah. yeah it's yin, it is yin and yin. they contain each other yeah. in itself yeah like love and hate can't have the love without the hate can't <laughs> have the harmony without the disharmony i, I guess that's that's basically the answer to the question is there's no answer to the question <laughs> Why do we resist? Because, why do yeah, we resist why do change? We, because any anything that's the thing is we can say very opposing opinions and they can all be true at, at the same time, <laughs> in the same dimension. <laughs> well, why do we resist change? The reason we resist change is because because part of change is things decaying. So yeah. so you know, watching something decay is is actually kind of painful. It's sad. Yeah, there's but, sadness in change. Yeah. But, it, but things don't have to decay. That's the whole thing about understanding the circle of life and how things repeat. Yeah. I've seen things repeat. You know, I've seen dogs come back and, you know, flowers. And, and I go, oh, okay, that's what that is. There's things I've lamented. And 20 years later, some form of it comes back into my life. I'm like, oh, my God, like it, things just repeat. Yeah. You know? And I guess that's what patterns are. Yeah. And that's why we probably ground ourselves in patterns because... That's a way of, for us to deal with ca the chaos of entropy. Coping with the unknown and coping with uh, the, the fact of the matter that we're not in control. Uh, so patterns are just a coping mechanism exactly. flowing. <laughs> well, you could also say patterns are also a figment of the god of geometry, like the, the, yeah. the intelligence of the universe that wants to organize things. Yeah. And then the other intelligence where there's asteroids and things flying through space and crashing into planets and things are blowing up or yeah. if you look at like the, you know the nebula and all the exploding stars and supernovas and there's so much chaos going on and so much life going on yeah. but then if you actually look deeper at it uh those things those are explosions and, and all this like chaos yeah. but it then it's dying and all yeah that. but then they're actually flowers too like yeah. like blooming and you know 
it's kind of like the psychedelic experience. Like if you close your eyes when you're having a psychedelic experience, mm -hmm. you'll see in in seconds um, skulls and flowers and rockets and bombs and sun, suns and planets. You see all this crazy stuff all happening at once, you know. So when we were sitting in the backyard with, uh, in his backyard, Osho Watanabe's backyard, we were talking about attachment and that attachment leads to suffering. So I was kind of <laughs> asking him a lot of questions and I said, uh, yeah, but, um, you know, aren't you, isn't life kind of empty when you're not attached? And uh, he said, you're supposed to be fully, fully passionate about things but letting but willing to let them go fully uh, you're disattached but fully passionate about them absolutely. so you're not supposed to just be indifferent towards things you're supposed to be absolutely burning with fire yeah. about things basically you're supposed to be non-attached yet passionate about it fully mm -hmm. engaged in life but willing to let it go so because this is such a such a tricky balance between two seemingly uh, opposite things uh, seemingly clashing uh, ideas so that's why it's such a struggle through life and also because attachment uh, when we are loving uh, people uh, our first lesson in life as a baby is to attach to the person yeah. we love or we first attach even before we love maybe I don't know which comes first yeah uh, the chicken or the egg but um, but it's just we are conditioned to attach and love and we're conditioned to love the things we're attached to and to uh, attached to the things we love. <laughs> so that's so difficult to, to be passionate about things, loving things, yet not being attached well, to Well, and letting go. Yeah, yeah. That's, it becomes painful because yeah. we're human and we're in a human body and the lessons of the human body are a little different from the lessons of the soul, although they're both meant to evolve each other. Well, the, the, the cosmic dance is someone twirling through a field, like a meadow, while the sun is setting and there's pollen blowing across the field and flowers and as the person's spinning and twirling a flower lands on their in the palm of their hand and they look at it for a second and the wind blows it away and they keep twirling you know and a butterfly flutters in their in front of them you yeah. know blows away so it's about like you you take things you embrace them you hold them and you love them and then you let them go yeah and also another uh, example just came to mind from astrology is um um, there is, uh, and that's not just from astrology, from gardening, is um, um, the, the seasons when everything starts to die. Those are the seasons that prepare for the new, uh, the new season coming in the harvest. That's when things drop into the ground and they're going to germinate over winter and they're going to sp sprout back up in spring. So, um, for example, the Scorpio season in astrology is the season when everything seems to be dying that's why scorpio is such a serious sign because it's seemingly during a season when uh, things just come to an end and things are just ending and dying but that's also when things you know become planted as ideas or as uh, they just uh, become the sprouts of the future yeah i mean because even that's what compost is you know compost is a bunch of things that have rotted you know, that, exactly. sp that sprout it's flowers. Death. Yeah. yeah, it's death. It's death and birth all at the same time. Yeah. All in one. And and that's why we, from our perspective, from our point of view, we only see the one side of it. We're just seeing the at the one side of the mountain. We don't see the other side of it. Yeah. Because that's our uh, viewpoint. That's, that's our awareness in this life. Yeah. But then you can tune yourself into seeing the other, the other side too. 
there is a whole new vista. There was in I Ching uh, a, a verse uh, uh, saying, from where you stand, you only see this hill and you can't see how big, I'm just, uh, you know, loosely quoting, yeah. but you can see the big mountain behind that small hill in front of it because of where you stand. Yeah, you have to get it to the top to see. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. So it's just our point of view sees only one side of the hill or it sees, you know, one part of the the whole story yeah. and when we see just that part <laughs> the death part it's not that exciting but nonetheless it's something that because you know. because that's a transition and that is change yeah. like death when, when you when you see some when you witness someone dying that person went through a transition uh-huh. and they're going to change they're going to change and they're going to be probably a greater version of themselves Absolutely, but yeah. the thing is the the moment of change or the uh, the time of change is painful so yeah. we try to delay it if we can but it's inevitable and it's where we grow a lot do we need to suffer that's a whole other discussion <laughs> do we need to suffer no my teacher says better than it, it's kind of like that quote ordinary men do not learn from their mistakes wise men learn from their mistakes and genius or um uh, saints they learn from others' mistakes. So same with suffering. Um, to one degree, we need to suffer in order to grow. But once we become at a level of consciousness, uh, where we uh, we grow past a certain level of consciousness, then we don't need to suffer in order to grow. We can grow through service. We can grow through uh, talents, uh, giving our talents away, uh, serving with our, our gifts. Uh, so it's not or, or necessary creating to Cre- creativity, but up until this point, I feel that there is a learning curve and part of learning and growing is suffering at that level. My teacher says that uh, there is two forms of uh, you know pain. The, uh, the quote is from Bulgarian, so there is two words in Bulgarian for suffering, and one is just kind of like you're just going through like all this pain, and it's in vain. And there is also um, a different words for suffering, which is suffering that leads to growth. Sometimes when we talk about suffering, a lot of it is when we don't yield into it and let go and learn all those things that we talked about. Um, it, it becomes just this suffering in vain. And some suffering leads that, to growth. That damages you, yeah. That yeah. actually makes you regress. Yeah. So that's that's why it, even though we are supposed to attach and we're supposed to not attach and all these conflicting things... Uh, we're supposed to have desires we shouldn't have desires yeah (laughs) you know these seemingly conflicting things uh, there is a way of doing them just because our human mind is so defined and so exact about things and it doesn't it can't understand conflicting ideas as actually mutually uh, inclusive exactly Uh, that's our human mind but within the universe and within different dimensions and uh, just levels of understanding things mutually exclusive things exist Um, As, as the Dalai Lama would say there are no ostensible contradictions. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes I've read so many uh, lectures by my teacher and he would say things that are completely opposing each other. Yeah. And when he was asked about it, they're not opposing. It's just, it depends. It, it really, there are cer- certain truths like love. Yeah. But out, uh, outside of that, things can seem very uh, confusing and, yeah. and to our mind because our mind is uh, it's pretty bound by the brain. Well, wants to fixate into yeah. uh, belief systems and things that make it comfortable. An exact dogmatic understanding. Yes, yeah. exactly. And 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 truth is much more um, malleable. It's in flux. 
well, it is in flux and it's also greater than our brain can contemplate. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Because our uh, our mind is is uh, profound and it's uh, and it's grand, but it's defined by the physical brain, and the physical yeah. brain defines our understanding of here on Earth. Yeah. Exactly, because yeah. it's meant to make us understand this dimension because yeah. the brain is of this dimension. It's a tool. We're here in physical bodies that are designed to experience this physical dimension. Yeah, and the physical tool helps us survive, but it doesn't help when we try to evolve. It seems like we've lost that capacity to to use the body as a tool, but I truly believe that the body is the tool. That's why I'm so passionate about yoga, diet, and everything, because we can evolve the soul through the physical. We understand things in infinite ways, uh, here on earth and we we just want to define them so that we can grasp them we want to categorize everything yeah. be comfortable with it we fall into dogmatic thinking yeah. even even like forms of government like fascism even communism corporatism those things are, are ways for the people uh, that are in control to try and uh, control the, the people that are under them Everything on this earth, like a big part of the suffering that we're, we're going through, is this desperate attempt to control things on this earth. And Terrence McKenna said something like, uh, whenever you try and control things, it slams you against the wall. Like, you can't, you can't control things. Like you're, you're in this dimension, you have a focus, you feel like a god. People listen to you, but you can't control things. Seemingly opposite um, ideas are mutually inclusive. Uh, my teacher has another uh, example uh, that uh, came to mind. Is um, uh, imagine a drowning man with a bag of gold on his back, uh, on his back, and you come in and you grab his gold. You save him <laughs> and you rob him. So is it a good or a bad thing? Yeah. He's not drowning anymore, so he'll leave. So depending on your uh, point of view or how much you see of the situation, it's both. Yeah. It's both. You rob the man and you save his life. Yeah. So it's, it's a crude example of that we don't understand why we're suffering because we're only seeing our point of view of the situation. But essentially, who knows where this is leading you on yeah. your grand path of your soul. We see a lot of things that happen to other people's lives and we witness those things and we judge them and we don't know the full story. No. So, so therefore we, we become confused and that, that adds to the confusion within ourselves. Exactly. And, and a big part of the suffering that we go through is this fear of the unknown and this resistance to change, whereas we don't even, we don't even have the full story. So we, we can have a normal life and a good life and have family all around us and friends and we can be in these beautiful moments but when we go to bed at night we can fall into anxiety and, and totally misunderstand what we're actually going through yeah we do misunderstand because sometimes we do not know that we're drowning and when the goal is gone we're being saved but we thought we got robbed but we yeah. didn't know that we were drowning and yeah. us uh, us being robbed was us being saved exactly so that's the thing sometimes our suffering is our greatest opportunity for growth. I've I've always believed that, yeah. but it just sometimes we're never we're 
that's the thing. Sometimes we would know uh, later on or at some point, and sometimes we just won't know. And that's part of the letting go part. You just you don't need to know the answer for everything. Yeah, it's a mystery. Yeah, you have to trust yeah, yeah. the wisdom of your own path in the universe. When when we suffer, we're paying karmic debt. So if you witness yeah. a being suffering, you shouldn't necessarily lament for the being, because the being is going through a state of uh, expansion and evolution because it's it's screaming out in agony and it's evolving because yeah. it's it's burning off this karma. And I guess that's a maybe that's a that's a hopeful way of looking at it. it. No, it is true. At the same time, you personally are not supposed to inflict suffering upon others. No. That's where the concept of compassion comes. You're never s supposed to pity anybody. Uh, compassion and empathy are human qualities and this understanding other suffering is, um, is uh, part of us uh, evolving as, a, as, as, as species. Uh, but at the same time, we're never supposed to cause anybody suffering just because that's their karma. So um, that's the compassionate path. You always have to kind of for, uh, see uh, how things came into uh, your into your life, how things came into being. So you know, it's always good to track things, to not be unconscious and, and just grab an apple and eat it, but always grab the apple and think, oh, someone picked it, someone planted the tree, keep going back. There was a person that drove the apples to the farmer's market and there was a person that sold them, but you keep going back to the person that picked it, to the person that watered the tree, to the person that planted the tree and so forth. So because- To those the seed. Are, exactly. Those to are the, the tree actions. that created the seed. <laughs> yeah. Those are all those actions led into you holding that apple, and that apple is, you know, concentrated sunlight, prana in your hands, vibrating a life. And uh, you always think about those things with gratitude and thankfulness. That's where the concept of veganism comes. I was really heavily into like uh, World War II stuff growing up as a kid. I got really heavily into war journalism and war photography. And so I explored every single photo I could get my hands on as a kid. I explored those photos. I actually stopped looking at war journalism after I saw some real heavy stuff about the Syrian war. But uh, I lamented like real hard over the the level of atrocities and, and the, the level of suffering that we cause each other. I witnessed a lot of violence growing up. Not 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 crazy. Like I know some guys from Compton. Um, some guys from East LA that actually through high school witnessed more intense stuff, but but my school is pretty pretty crazy, and I was actually concerned that uh, I was going to do something stupid, and so I started practicing with a Japanese uh, Zen master and a yogi, and he told me stop the martial arts and you know just go vegetarian, and so when I stopped the martial arts, I stopped sparring. My whole trip became. To become nonviolent, I, I should stop eating meat, and that's really—it was literally like a, a practical survival choice, which was I'm going to stop eating meat, and I'm going to stop attracting violence, and well, I'm going to stop uh, engaging in violence. I didn't—I—I I, I don't like saying that, but uh, it's quite obvious. It's a lot of suffering is because we cause suffering. It's the circle of the karmic circle of yeah. what we've done. There's always replications for everything we do. Yeah. And we cause so much suffering 
to others and yeah. we continue as human is is humanity on personal level and so a lot of it is karmic or a lot of it is just we go suffering and we suffer one of the worst ways to suffer is to offend your conscience and to offend the conscience is to be cruel to another living being is one of the worst offenses to your conscience yeah. and and if and if you can be this ignorant person and kill pigs and get into fights and and don't care yeah and don't care and then if it comes down on you like when you realize certain certain things will come to you like certain things you've done will come to you and it's the worst kind of suffering you could probably <laughs> you could probably well, because the way I was saying, uh, the way I was saying about the apple, you have to think about everything. You can't just move through your life unconscious about things. You have to understand things in your life. So the way you think about your apple, the same way you should think about your chicken or your steak. Uh, and if you think that way of the butcher that had to uh, uh, kill the cow, the butcher that only lasted one year at his job and doesn't have medical benefits and it, it has post-dramatic stress disorder uh, that's not covered by insurance or anything because he was an immigrant and working, uh, um, being paid under the table. If you start thinking back to everything, it's there is no choice. Yeah. But do not involve yourself in suffering. Yeah. There could be a choice because there's there's other people that don't care. There's people yeah. there's people that realize like they're they're burning up their liver because they're alcoholics or they're mm -hmm. or or they're destroying their lungs because they're smokers and they keep smoking. Yeah. You know, and then and that's actually kind of respected amongst people, even amongst artists, because it's like you know, carpe diem, embrace the day. It's like yeah. you know, I'm an alcoholic or yeah. I'm a smoker or I'm a soldier. This is what I do. You know, I kill things or you know, they just accept, they accept that, that, that they cause suffering and they accept that they cause suffering to themselves and that's life and they live the life and die. And well, it's all about where your consciousness, consciousness is at. So if that's, if that doesn't bother you and it's not a method of masking symptoms, then fine. For most people, I would say it's probably masking pain. Uh, but the, probably there are people that truly don't care and if they truly don't care, then they're fine <laughs> because all all karma is is how much it bothers you i think not so much as an as a as an absolute absolute action as much as how much it's reflected at, back at you at the level of your understanding of the world because if you say something uh, rude to someone and it really bothers you internally then that will have different implications for you karmically than if you say something to someone and it's just true it doesn't matter like to you yeah it never bothers your conscience because your conscience is part of mind yeah. and mind is is all that is yeah it wasn't it your teacher that said something like um if i were to slip in my thoughts i would be struck by lightning or something yeah. like that or and if a normal person thinks the same thought they probably won't even have the mildest karmic implication yeah. and he would fall back from fall down from grace or because it depends where you're at consciously uh, meaning if you know what you're causing and you still cause it is far greater let's say sin than if you don't know what you're doing and you do it and it's the same action it's just how the, much is back it is back reflected at you at your consciousness but the thing is when, when you don't know that you're doing it that you're causing suffering and then it, sooner or later you got to realize it oh yeah you have to grow there, there's yeah. no question about it you're just delaying your growth yeah you gotta grow <laughs> yeah you gotta grow you gotta do yoga yeah.
we went to an acupuncturist right before you 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 went into labor. Mm-hmm. There in in the lobby there was some book on Buddhist quotes. One of the quotes that, that that stood out to me was, "There are great consequences for harming the innocent," and I was like, "Oh that's my, man, that's my biggest yeah. heartache." Yeah. Yeah. It's animals and children are the innocent. Yeah. Don't yeah. and don't harm the don't innocent. Touch yeah. Don't touch those. So. That's and that, that that is a lot of why why suffering happens. But sometimes it's just from our vista, from where we stand. Some suffering is not suffering; it's just growing. And some suffering is pain, karmic debt, and some suffering is just in vain. So there is it. Just it depends on the bigger picture. Yeah, and 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 we don't understand the big picture a lot of times. It's like that analogy about the guy um, that's drowning with with you know a pack of gold on his back. Yeah. You know, and you witness him drowning and then some guy jumps in the river and pulls the gold off him yeah. and swims away and you think, Oh, he just robbed him. Yeah. But we don't know that he just robbed him. Or he saved him and yeah. what is he gonna do with the gold and so forth yeah. and we just we just don't know. And and that goes back to the fact that we're all trying to cope with change. Flux. <laughs> you know. Yes. We're we're scared. This this place is very intense and scary. So when you're born, whether you're a, a dog or a human, you, there's some level of fear that's ingrained in you. Yeah, I think this comes to a full circle, the conversation. We fear change and we fear uh, suffering. Therefore, we cause suffering to others so that we can hold on to this paradigm we're a part of or we're at. So why do we resist change? It's an open question. Let's leave it open, huh? We well, I, I would say because... The universe is in flux. It's a violent place. It's a harmonic place. When we're in harmony, we resist going into flux, which is change and transition. So we resist it because because it's scary. So did we answer this question, why do we resist change? I don't know. It's an open question and it's yet to be answered. We hope to see you next time and make sure to go check out and subscribe to my YouTube channel. My website is alikamenova.com and I will see you next time.